Another episode of the McYon Show. I am your host, McYon. And I'm your special co-host today, Asia. Guys, we want to thank you so much for tuning in. If you're watching right now on YouTube, please, please, please subscribe to the channel. So, guys, we want to thank you so much for always supporting us and tuning in. We definitely want to thank our sponsors, the Lakeisha Brown Foundation, Manly's Blended Family. DeMarco Sola. So thank you guys so much. So hey, Asia. Hey, Nick. How are you? I'm good. How about you? I am good. I am good. You got a glow about you. I do. You do. Mm. Like a natural bronze. Okay. Come on, bronze. Come through. Come through. Come yes. through. Yes. Was well, it the weekend that did it? Well, I was in school all weekend. For I've been what? training. I've been training and training and training. I okay. was over at Bowie State University, mm -hmm. and I am training to be a peer recovery specialist. That's amazing. Yes, I'm, you know, moving with everything else that I'm doing right. Moving yeah. in on that mental health piece, you know. Working in your gifts. Working in addictions and things like that. So I am excited. That's good. I am excited. And what I have found is that, you know, with a lot of my training, it's a lot of the stuff that I've already known. You know, we're dealing with um, the trauma of domestic violence and sexual abuse and those types of things. And mm -hmm. also, even my um, real estate back um, background came up because, you know, it, it brought up a lot of my housing um, things and also the um, ADA, the um, the American Disability Act. Okay. So it's amazing how things, how God will bring things full circle. That is absolutely you, right? true. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm excited. We got a, one more day in training. We got to go back this Saturday. Okay. Um, I got to take two classes online and then once I get my, um, I have to do 500 hours of internship. Oh. So uh, once I do those hours, then I'll able to be able to get my certification. So I'm excited. It's a goal that by the end of this year I'll have that. And so okay. moving into 2020, you moving into another position, you another do it role. On your own? 
Well, I have to, um, in in that position, I have to have work under someone that's in the method, uh, mental health um, okay. field. And so, you know, I have some friends. Listen, I know you. I have, I have, I have a great friend who even made this whole thing possible, and I'm just gonna give her a shout out, uh, Aisha uh, Rosenborough. Yes, I just love. I mean, I love her to death. And um, just for her to provide this opportunity to me, it's amazing. Absolutely. Amazing. So I'm excited. Well, I'm about happy that. for you. I'm Thank excited you. to see God Thank using you. you in another facet of life. I know, right? <laughs> that's amazing. I'm, I'm excited. I am really, really excited. So that's what I was doing the whole weekend is studying Hitting and learning. Mm -hmm. That's good. Mm -hmm. Well, I did some of that. I did a mm -hmm. little bit of that. What you do? So I had a little girls' night. We hung out for dinner, um, a few friends, Saturday night, mm -hmm. just to let it all go from last week mm -hmm. to unwind from the week before. What happened? Well, hold on. Let's have it for the week before because, you know, you wasn't here. I wasn't Because I only here. get to see you every third Monday true. of the month. That is very true. It's been trying times. A lot of push-pull energy mm -hmm. right now. It's a lot of full moon mm -hmm. energy happening We talked here. about that full moon, right? <sighs> Listen. It's like you take five steps up, get knocked three back. You know, you kind of got to eat a good breakfast and go back again. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> so you just, you know, trying to tie up loose ends, mm -hmm. you know, everything for um, securing the book, signing event and everything, just trying to move forward, dealing in logistics, still working a nine to five. Mm -hmm. I even had to go old school last week. To do what? And pop up in my son's seventh period class. What? And just sit in the corner. And I told him in middle school, you'll get embarrassed. It's not elementary school where they like, hi, Xavier's mom. It's like, ooh. And sure enough, when I walk through the door, whose mom is that? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I told him, he said, but I've been behaving like I got it together. I mm -hmm. said, oh, I know. I just needed you to know. Mm -hmm. I'll come up here. Right. Yeah, so I sat in That's the corner for about important. 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. I went old school. Yeah, and he ain't know, right? Did not That's know. the best time. Did Don't ever know. tell him when you're coming to the school. <laughs> Don't ever tell him, because they can send it like this. Yeah, like they don't do nothing. <laughs> like to catch him yeah, in the act. Got to catch him in the act. Yes, indeed. So just making time for everything. Mm -hmm. You know, just putting a little bit in, in each necessary pot. To just make this thing all come together. Mm. Yes, indeed. So when you and the girls this weekend, so this sleepover, what did y'all do? Was y'all up all night? No. Or were these older girls or little girls? No, these our age. Okay. But definitely okay. nobody slept over. We just okay. dinner, mm -hmm. a little socializing, a little cackling. You know mm -hmm. how we do when we get mm -hmm. together. Yes. So, no, no sleepover this time. Okay. We've okay. done it, but, yeah, not this time. Okay. Yes, and then church yesterday. Okay, so, so what was the message yesterday at church? So we're actually doing a month-long sermon on what did Jesus say mm. um, about the sermon at the mountain. You know, yeah, I'm glad, because yeah, a lot of people twist up things Jesus said. A lot of things Jesus ain't say. Jesus did not say. <laughs> <laughs> so what so was the sermon of things that Jesus said? <laughs> so, basically, this was part two. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's again, it's the Sermon on the uh, Mountain. This is Matthew 5. It takes place in Matthew 5. Mm -hmm. I think 6 and 7, too, but we're focusing on 5. Um, and just how to be pure at heart, mm -hmm. how to be um, God-honoring in all our actions, even when, you know, the enemy comes up against you, how to respond, or what did Jesus say in response to certain mm -hmm. things happening. So just kind of, um, and, you know, yesterday's was interesting because I've been, I don't want to say passive, but I know or hear or see stuff, and I kind of just let things play out. Mm -hmm. But when the people have to lean on me, then I'm starting to get worn out. Mm. And yesterday's um, message was about having dominion, like having dominance over these situations and speaking it. You know, see something, say something, you know. And you know, a lot of times when, when, when we don't say something, when we know something is out of order or not right, and we just take that passive way of dealing with it, and then it turns on us. It ends up eating us up. Tremendously, and I felt it mm -hmm. last week. Mm -hmm. So I had to have hard conversations today. I actually had one today, um, just like, listen, because I'm helping the kids out, these 18-year-old, 21-year-old girls, you know, emerging women, mm -hmm. showing them how to be women, you mm -hmm. know, showing my goddaughter how to get an apartment, compare rent to square footage and all that because mom, for whatever reason, isn't checking in in that department. Mm -hmm. So not just helping them, but then going back to mom, listen, mm -hmm. I'm going to need you to get in gear. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, this is your baby, mm -hmm. and I still got to pop up on mine's in seventh period. Mm -hmm. So I need you to get back in the game. So just having those hard conversations, recognizing there's an issue, and saying I'm willing to help, but it takes a village like they say. Absolutely. It, it really do take a village to be able to help, and especially those communication skills. You know, a lot of times we think that um, every, when something is going to be confrontational, 
and we tend Absolutely. to we tend to back away from it. But you know, it, it we I, sometimes we think of confrontation like it always has to be a fight. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then we lose our will to fight or stand up for something when we just have to know that you know. This is all about communications. We gotta have re conflict resolution skills. You know, everything ain't gonna go our way. It's but not. but when you have a dog in a fight, you have to be able to talk about that and I deal agree. with that. I agree, and our kids are definitely the dogs in this good fight called in, life. In the fight, <laughs> absolutely. In the fight. So, and it's helping the girls too. Like, listen. You need to start doing this. I have one that's on campus at BSU, by the mm -hmm. way. Uh-oh. Yes, BSU, BSU. Look, I'm going to start repping BSU. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so it's like, listen, she's talking about the machine broke, you know, washing clothes. She's about to have a whole fit. I'm like, girl, throw the pants over the back of the chair. Mm -hmm. Let them air dry. Mm. I can't get my homework done. Okay, work through the problems. You know how. I said, it's, it's time for you to start being resourceful. So it's not just being pulled at but showing them how to stand on their own yeah you know mm -hmm. hoping that it'll reduce mm -hmm. the constant you know mm -hmm. reaching out on the back and just learning how to use the resources already there yeah because everything wasn't in a microwave at all times no you know everything wasn't so fast there's some things that we had to do literally to be able to move forward and, yeah you know a lot of times you know this generation yeah they they don't know about all of that like okay no the washing machine or the, the dry is broke, what I'm going to do? I had to tell her about the lint trap. I said, is it a lint trap that you can pull up in the front? Pull a lint out. Oh. <laughs> I had to tell her all that. It ain't working. Okay, is so it a number on the side where you call to get your quarters back? Mm -hmm. Because it sounds like the machine is broke. Things like that. Mm -hmm. Mom's not on campus. Mm. You know, auntie's not on campus. So it's just learning what to do when these situations arise. Wow. So yeah. That is, that is true. Wow, you, you really got me thinking with that because that is so true. That is so true. Uh, uh, and they were saying that um, my son, we was having a conversation about um, the things that the younger generation just do not know what to do. <laughs> and he was like, Mom, you'll be surprised that so many women, girls that just don't even know how to cook. And you know that it sounded kind of foreign to me because you know growing up those were the things we loved to do that our parents and grandparents got us in the kitchen like yes, you come on did. in here you you learn how to do this you learn how to wash dishes you learn how to wash your own clothes and do those things to be able to but you ain't gotta depend on nobody, nobody else. else but he say he say no mom they don't know how to do any of that he said they don't know how to cook and so we were talking about what they were saying that they wanted to bring back the home economic classes into school. And so he started, he said, man, I used to love home ec. He said, I, I used to too. love cooking in there. Mm -hmm. And my son did because he was a, he was, he's a very good cook. Mm -hmm. Like he was, like he has his specialty of spaghetti that everybody loves his spaghetti. But those where he learned those different things. And then like, I remember him being 12 years old and I was like, nope, everybody in this house learns how to wash their own clothes yes. at 12. Yes. Because see me, mama, I don't like washing clothes. Mm -hmm. That That's not one of my good chores. I will trade that off for something else. Right. But you're going, I know how to do it. When push come to shove, oh yeah, I gotta do it, but do I wanna do it? No. no. <laughs> right. But I know how to do it, mm -hmm. right? And so I had to let them know, look, at 12 years old, this is what you do. You learn how to wash your own clothes. Mm -hmm. And I always had the mindset with sons is that I never wanted them have to just be with a woman just because of the things she can she do for him. Do. Like, no, you're not gonna be with her just cause she cooking or cleaning or anything. No, you mm -hmm. can stand on your own two feet. Mm -hmm. So you have a choice. Stop. You have a choice. Girl. Yeah, you yeah. have a choice. And that's what I told my son when he learned how to cook. I said, because you'll wait for no woman, myself included, mm -hmm. to cook you nothing to eat. Right. You're going to know. So right. some days he'll go down and sit at 12. Mm -hmm. I think I'm about to cook me some eggs and this, this, this. And he, You want some? Mm -hmm. No, I'm all right. And he'll say, it's time for me to wash my clothes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go ahead and just grab your basket too. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, listen, time waits for that no man. That makes them very responsible. I agree. Very responsible. And again, resourceful, just mm -hmm. knowing you know, now you done did it a few times. You mm -hmm. didn't over poured something. You know how to reduce it, or you know what I mean. Just putting them in the environment to learn. Mm -hmm. And half the time, he doing. I'm at work. He might already be home from school, so he he figuring it out. Mm. He figuring it out. Well, I'm telling you, we definitely have to be like as parents raising children in this day and time. You have to be hands on. You, do. you you have to be hands-on you have to make sure you understand and know what's going on in their life what's going on in school who their peers are who they run around with like you got to know all those things you know all of that 
And every once in a while I have to check that. I still got to check the phone, you know, all that, just to see what's going on. And you know, sometimes, you know, I hear some people saying that you got a 12-year-old child and they have a phone and you're in their phone. Don't you know that some adults will tell you as the parent that, you know, that's their privacy? No, okay. I hope their privacy paying the bill. Right. But it's a, it's a mindset, still, like privacy. Is. Ain't no privacy in this home. Mm -hmm. No, no child have a pri any privacy no. in this home. No, but I do think in this generation, there's too many parents trying to be the children's friend. Yes, we got too much of that. Yeah, I think they felt like it was too strict in our time. Mm -hmm. So now it's like, well, let me just kind of connect in a different way. But we're seeing that some of the old school techniques, again, popping up in classes, mm -hmm. you know, showing them and guiding them into how to do certain things it still reigns supreme, like it's still necessary it to is. have to do that. It is. And I tell my son all the time, I'm not your friend, and mm -hmm. you're not supposed to like majority of what I say to do. But that means Absolutely. I'm doing my job. Absolutely. That is so <laughs> huge right there. Like. That's so huge because I'm, I'm raising you to be independent and that um, eventually you won't have to, that's what parents do. Parents raise their children not to need them. Absolutely. You know, be self-sufficient and not to need and depend on anybody else. So it's my job. So yeah, you gonna buck the system. You are. Cause it don't feel good. It doesn't. It don't feel good telling no, you gotta do that. You gotta do this. It don't feel good to nobody, right? Yeah, but just like law enforcement, I gotta stay one step ahead. Yes. <laughs> and in the long run, you appreciate those they things. Do. Cause they I do. Because I know a lot of things growing up that I didn't like growing up. I didn't like that I had to get up at 7 o'clock on a Saturday morning to wash clothes mm -hmm. or to make up my bed. Make up the bed, I'm still in it. Still in it. Why yep. am I getting up out the bed to make it up? <laughs> just don't come in here. <laughs> right. You know, Let's just, just don't come my room in here. here. <laughs> but, it, but it teaches those, those things that when you grow up, then you'll know how to tidy up things and, and keep your room. And still to this day, I ain't even going to fake. I still don't make my bed up every day. I don't no. make my bed up uh -uh, every day I don't. Either. Or it's like, it's one thing I'm not going to do. I ain't going to make I think as long as that day. bottom part where your feet go, <laughs> as long as that's still safe and sound, and you can make sense mm -hmm. out of what's happening at the top part of the covers, mm -hmm. you good. Shoot, I'm single in my bed. You ever seen that meme? On, on Facebook where it has this, your single friend got the book, the computer. Oh, that's how my bed looks. That's my And in my bed, I got I got the computer. I may have my tablet. I got a book. I got some paper. If I'm studying or reading, it could be two, three books there. Yep. That's Whatever. me all day. In, in, in my bed. Yep. It has been there like that for, I that's me too. Hangers, shoeboxes. <laughs> me rushing, trying to figure it out for work that morning. Mm -hmm. Yep. And just then it's a king size bed. Just move it on. So like, move it on. Ah, right on <laughs> I got side. plenty more room yep. over here. Got more room on the other side. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's crazy, you know. But I do think we have to get back into those old school traditions mm -hmm. and just you know teach our children like they got to be held responsible. In this world, it is definitely instant gratification and entitlement. Oh my with this goodness! Generation. Entitlement. Yeah major entitlement issues. Oh my goodness, yeah. that is so true. Yeah. That is so true, a lot of times we so busy trying to make up, mm -hmm. make up for what somebody else didn't do, whether it wasn't out, if it, maybe if it wasn't our parents and what they did for us, or if there's an absent parent. Correct. You know, so busy trying to make up for someone else's downfalls. Yep. But that never works. It never works, and you always see that it didn't work in your children, because mm -hmm. that's when you can confirm that that generational cycle just repeated itself. Yes. And then what we end up doing is indirectly passing that baton to our kids, and now they have to have the responsibility to try to break that. So I think parents do definitely need to be more diligent. It's definitely an injustice to them. Because I it know is. some things that I found out that I go through that has been generational. I always think, I say, dang, why my mother or grandmother and them didn't, didn't get this? Yeah. They had to be man, projected onto me. But yep. you know, well, but that's you what know, that you was think. the era sweeping it under the rug. It yeah. didn't happen. Absolutely. Especially if it happened in the house. Mm -hmm. Don't you go to school telling counselors and all that mm -hmm. what's going on in here? No, we can't say oh, that. Oh, yeah. You know, we can't tell we nobody. Cannot. What happens in this house stays, stays in, this, in house. this house. You know, we can't do that. But we're <laughs> yep. changing that whole dynamic, guy. We are changing that. We are no longer going to sit back and allow to keep sweeping things under the rug. Nope. We're going to deal with them so we won't have another generation talking about something they didn't know and, and end up having to go through so much trauma yes. of everything. I you agree. know?
Now we in the era of see something, say something. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And that goes all the way across the board, not yes. only for Metro. Not exactly. <laughs> exactly. And not only the Metro. Exactly. If you see something in your house or your school or your church or anywhere, say something about say it. Something. You can definitely do something about yes. it. So, guys, we have come to our break, but we have an amazing guest in the studio today, guys. You definitely got to stay tuned. Yes. We have Mr. John Bale Jr. here. He's an amazing author. He's an amazing change agent, a man of God, and he is here. So stay tuned. We'll be right back, and we'll be talking about him and this awesome book that he wrote, okay? We'll be right back. Y'all ready to move a little bit here? been a long time ill. Hey, I watch a bugger We wanna start off in cruise control for you, baby. And nice and easy feel up. Gonna do this for all the sexy aquariums in here. Happy birthday to you, baby. Let the bugger watch here. Happy birthday to Miss Sabrina. That's right, baby. What you say, baby? I'm coming to you. And Mr. Danny got a birthday. Happy birthday to you, Danny. What you got for me, baby? A big paw. Happy B day to Big Paw. Watch the pocket, watch it. And Lauren got a birthday. That's coming from the sexy Troy. Too smooth, Troy. That's right, that's right. Shout out to all the sexy Aquariuses in here. All right. Hey, I build a dawn and watch the blocker do the work. He's a bone of Cherie. Sweet Cherie, baby. Yes, indeed. Hey. co-host for today asia and we are back with our wonderful guest today john bell jr how are you i am blessed i am blessed welcome I'm blessed. It's good welcome to have you. thank you thank you thank so you. we are here to uh get a gift get blessed with a gift huh mm -hmm. uh, that's what they say <laughs> all right well for our audience side we're just gonna give a little background mm -hmm. into john so you guys can get an understanding of where he comes from and kind of understand where this powerful book has come from John Bell Jr., a Maryland native, graduated from Suitland High School with honors. Yes. A very promising professional basketball career on the way. However, everything came to a halt when he discovered he was going to be a teenage father. Although he knew he wasn't a man yet, it was time to make a decision like one. Since the relationship with his dad wasn't great, he decided early on to be what and who he needed to his son. 
Manhood and fatherhood would be something John would learn at the same time. He turned down a scholarship to go away to play basketball to be the full-time star dad he knew his son would need. Amazing. Amazing. That's well, that's huge right there. Sacrifice. The yeah. sacrifice Absolutely. of that, especially when you know, usually in our community we we were taught that sports is how you be successful. You know, that was one of the ways to be successful and to turn away from that to be a father. Yes. That's huge. That's that, that, that right there should definitely be applauded. I agree. Definitely be applauded because I don't even think I've ever heard that before. But I know people do it. It's just that I haven't heard it. Yes. That's so powerful. Him, yeah, talk about that. Him. Talk about that. Well, um, what happened was, well, my whole senior year, once I was told that, once she told me she was pregnant, mm -hmm. my whole senior year, you know, her girlfriends told me that the baby wasn't mine. Mm. You know, she said the baby wasn't mine. So, and in my, my heart, I didn't want the baby to be mine because my baby was basketball. Mm -hmm. So, but it was something in the back of my mind that was saying, that's your baby. Mm -hmm. So no matter how much I tried to run or lift weights to drink to try to get it out of my head, it's still something in my head was saying that was my baby. So um, when we were at my going away party, um, I get the phone call. Uh, why you haven't come seen your son yet? My response was, you got the wrong number. I hung the phone up. <laughs> so my mom called me two days later and was like, what's this I hear about you got a baby? I was like, well, mom, you know, um, I, um, she told me that it wasn't mine, so I never said nothing to you. But I had said something to my father. Mm. And because my father wasn't the supporter in my life, my mother was upset about that because she felt as though I should have came to her first, but I didn't, I, I didn't want to die. Mm -hmm. If I told my mother, for she probably would have killed me. Mm. So um, so when my mother came, she called me, she said, let's go over there. So we went over there. She didn't even speak to her mom or her or nobody in the house. She was like, where the baby at? Walked through the door, went, picked up my son, pulled the beanie off his head, was like, yeah, this house. Mm. So I'm sitting there looking like, how she know that? You know, so that's some like, mamas know. Because <laughs> I know I said that with my grandson. When I see my grandson, he looked just like my son. I said, Oh, yeah, that's yeah, that, that one belonged to us. Mm -hmm. yeah, so when, it's something you know. I didn't know at the time, I'm still young and I'm still trying to figure out a lot of things. So when she said that, I was like, So when she's like, Yeah. So when she put placed my son in my arms, my whole body went numb. Mm. And you know how babies, when they knocked out sleep and they just break out with a big old smile? Mm hmm. And when he done that, I was like, yeah, that's my man. Mm. So right then and there, because my father didn't, me and my father didn't have that proper relationship, that relationship that I really desired. I was like, well, okay, um, am I going to go to school and do the same thing to my son that my father did to me? Or am I going to stay home with him and figure it out? Mm. So, of course, because I was good in basketball, I was a lot of my peers' meal tickets. Mm -hmm. And my peers were drug dealers. So they were like, man, go to school. We got them, we got them, we got them. And at that age, I, it was a, a very intelligent answer. I was like, well, how can you promise me that you're going to take care of my son if you can't promise your own kids that you're going to take care of your, yours? Mm. You can't promise your own kids that you're going to be there because of your lifestyle. Right. So... I chose to stay home with my son, but of course I was a father before I was even a man. So I was trying to learn how to be a father and how to be a man without a blueprint. Mm -hmm. That was the hardest task in my life. So in the midst of me trying to figure out those two things, I made a lot of bad decisions, a lot of bad decisions. And because of the environment that I grew up in, the decisions that I made is what my environment showed me. Mm -hmm. And it looked to me, it looked like, Selling drugs was the easiest way out of my of my situation. So once I jumped into the drug game, things got better financially, mm -hmm. but they got worse on the other end. Mm. So um, with my son, it hurt. It hurt to be taken away from him, you know. But at the end of the day, man, I, I thank God for the time that I was, you know, taken out of my son's life because. That generational curse that you just spoke about, mm -hmm. I would have passed it down to my son. I would have mm -hmm. been an infection to my son. But now, because of Christ, I'm a positive effect to my son. Mm, amen. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. So wow. is the, the book, mm -hmm. and this is Memories from My Sale. Memoirs. Memoirs. Mm -hmm. Look, I can't read today. I told y'all my eyes got dilated today. <laughs> Memoirs from My Sale. So talk to us a little bit about the book. 
Okay, well, um, the book is made up of 68 poems, mm. but every poem that I've written is a chapter of my life. So uh, what I did was I wrote the poem, and then I wrote the chapter describing the time of my life that inspired the poem, mm. how I felt, how I got through it, and encouragement to anyone else who happened to go through the same ordeal that's in the, in the story. So that's how the book is made up. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Oh, my goodness. Well, it sounds powerful. Listen, you turned your test into a testimony. Right. Say no more. Say no more. And so I what made to. you What made you want to write it, though? Like, what, what inspired you to want to lay all... Because this is basically your life, to be as transparent, you know, to lay it down, to be as transparent. What made you want to do that? Because a lot of times... When we lay ourselves down like that, you know, sometimes we get afraid of being ridiculed for what we show and what we tell other people. Because remember, we got that thing where, you know, you don't supposed to tell what goes on behind closed doors. Well, um, at first, how I came, let me, let me start with this because this is all going to add up. Um, I was incarcerated at the time and I had made some bad decisions while I was incarcerated, and they got they sent me to solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. Solitary confinement, for those who don't know, is when you stay in the cell for 23 hours a day and you only come out for an hour. So in that time, I got tired of being punished for the same mistakes that I was making, for the same adolescent mistakes. So I got on my knees and I prayed and I asked God to change me. Mm. In the midst of that time when I was in the cell, I asked God, I said, well, Lord, you got to give me a gift. Because I don't know how to do anything else but sell drugs. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to work for no one else. So you got to give me a gift in order to feed my family and serve you. Mm -hmm. God is my witness. That very next morning after I prayed that prayer, I woke up and I wrote 11 poems. I never wrote mm -hmm. a poem a day in my life. It was like God was sitting on my shoulder, whispering in my ear, and I was just putting it on paper. It was so many things in my head that was coming in my and out. And every time I try to go to, go to sleep... It would, uh, just until I got it out on paper, mm -hmm. I, was, even rest. I couldn't even rest. Mm -hmm. So um, I think about, I got to about 150 poems. Mm. And I was like, well, Lord, what do you want me to do with them? And he said, they're chapters of your life. Wow. And right then and there, I knew, write a book. Wow. Write a book. That's amazing. That's amazing. And it's so important that when we do pray, that we have to also be open to hear God when he responds. So that was amazing that you even was there to be able to hear. Because a lot of times, a lot of us miss it. We do. And it's because of the chaos in our own head. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times God is answering right away. But yeah. it's so much that's, you know, diverting Going our attention. On. Yes. One thing I live by, God's message travels faster when it doesn't have to travel through trash. Mm. Lord have mercy. That just gave me a chill. <laughs> Through my back. <laughs> Lord that's have mercy. Amazing. Yes. Oh, my goodness. That's powerful. Trash, and that was something that, that was one of the quotes God gave me. And he told me that because at the end of the day, life makes us worry about so much. Mm -hmm. But when we are walking in constant faith, man, nothing can happen to us that God doesn't allow. Nothing can happen to you that God didn't okay to give it the okay to happen. So a lot of times, I mean, just because we're human, we will stress when it first hit. But then once you realize who you serve and who you are and who you are in him, mm -hmm. your stress should just go away. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Mm -hmm. It's irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Absolutely. And just like I said earlier, just leading from a place of dominance, knowing that you've been given a vision or you've been given some type of assignment from him. Exactly. And it's just moving forward. They always say God give the hardest jobs to the strongest soldiers. Yes, yeah, that is and absolutely true. Is definitely, I can only imagine a hard assignment. But it's to save lives. It's for us to survive and make somebody else survive. Because under the same type of pressure, the next man, whoever you come in contact with, might not be that strong. Absolutely. And in that book, you'll see there's a lot of guys that I left, excuse me, that I left in the prison system that they'll never see freedom again. Mm. Like they will, they will, their parents will be coming to pick their body up from the federal prison system. Wow. Yeah. Do you know how powerful that is? You know the the big of how big of a burden that is to sit with someone, and he's such a good person, man, and that made a mistake when he was a kid, mm. and never going to be able to say I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. You know, never going to be able to get a chance to live his life with his family in the free world ever again. The next time he sees them is when they are sitting with God. 
That's yeah. big. It's a predetermined fate for sure. It's that's like big. knowing that at some point we all gonna leave this earth, but knowing that that's how you're gonna go out. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's tough. Mm. And mm. that that mm. that power, that control, being taken completely so, out of your so hands. So let me ask you this question, since you brought that up, that there are there are different people in the book, mm -hmm. and um, if you had an opportunity to be able to share a day with any of those people on the outside, mm -hmm. who would it be and what would you guys be doing? It's a guy in the book, his name is Randy, and I met him, he was from St. Louis. Um, I won't disclose his real name, but in the book his name is Randy. Okay. Um, he was, me personally, I say there are street dudes and then there are dudes that's in the streets. Mm. Randy was a street dude because he had no other choice. He was born into it. Mm -hmm. His father was a gangster, you know, was born a gangster. His grandfather was a gangster. His mother wasn't a drug addict, but she had limited resources because she had carpal tunnel in her hands. Mm -hmm. So Randy was father had got killed in a shootout when um with two uh dirty police officers in St. Louis. So the torch was passed down to Randy at twelve years old. Mm. And Randy, because he was so full of venom, because he couldn't live the life of a normal twelve year old, he was forced into manhood. And you, so you, 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 you choose to live. I mean, you, have a, you don't have an opportunity to live your life, but you're forced into living as someone else. Mm -hmm. And the real you was screaming to come outside. That's torture. Yes, yes. So, so Randy started a gang, and he had a lot of guys up under him. I'm talking about they was getting a lot of money in St. Louis. And Randy ended up, he ended up ordering a hit on a witness he, he, he beat a guy up for disrespecting his girlfriend in a nightclub one night on his birthday. He beat a guy up, and he ended up killing him with, the, um, with a Moet bottle. Mm -hmm. And when, as he's coming out of the club, the young lady that was with the guy that he killed pointed him out to the police, and Randy ordered the hit right then and there on the spot. Mm. So Randy got a letter from his, um, his girlfriend while we were incarcerated, but Randy skipped school so he really couldn't read or write. Mm -hmm. So he would always asked me to read the letters for him. And this is one letter I just wish I just w wouldn't have read. Mm. But she was basically telling me that, telling him that both of his sons, he had twins, that he didn't know about until that letter. Both of them um, followed his footsteps. One of them was killed at a, um, at a cookout. And mm. his youngest, I mean, the youngest of the two went and avenged his death. Now he got a triple life sentence. Wow. And her last, her last words to Randy was, I hope there's no other kids from your bloodline because society can't take these animals that come from you. Wow. And when I looked at the letter and I recited those last words to him, he was in tears. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about Randy was one of the toughest guys mm -hmm. I've met mm -hmm. in the prison system. I will spend, you know, a day with Randy because I seen the pain in his eyes. Mm -hmm. I seen the pain in his eyes and when I when I told him that to learn that you had twin sons that you never saw, and they lost their life because they followed your footsteps. Right. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Man, that's deep. Yeah, that's deep. It's deep. That is really deep. And, and I know that with being in that system, that it's a lot of Randys like that. Man, it's a lot. Of, inside, like, I've met so many guys inside the prison system that they inspired me. They motivated me to come out here and be the man that I am today. Mm -hmm. Every guy that I met, it was no coincidence. No, there's no coincidence in Christ. Every guy that I met added another chapter and a dimension to my life and added an extra motivation for me to come out here and try to stop this monster mm -hmm. that we call life. Mm -hmm. You know, in the urban mm -hmm. neighborhoods, we all experience almost the same thing. Some choose not to indulge and some choose to indulge, mm -hmm. but um, every guy that I've met in the prison system with life sentences and things like that, they are good guys. Mm -hmm. They just made a bad decision. Right, right. Just made one bad decision. Mm -hmm. And that's what, something that I try to tell the younger generation now. Sometimes you got to make the right decision the very first time. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I always say sometimes the right decision isn't comfortable. It's just necessary. Yeah. Everything is not about comfort. It's about what's necessary. And that's what they say, you know, we got to get used to being uncomfortable. Oh, absolutely. Because that's change. Yeah, you know, that's We change. constantly evolving. That's change. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Randy's, Randy's story is powerful, and I'm just listening 
to it because um, I grew up with my dad not in the home because of prison. My, my father was in and out of jail, you know, my whole life. And it made me growing up, it, it, it has different effect on all the children. My older brother, he's like, that's something I would never do. It made him very self-sufficient. Went out there, went into the military, you know, had his mind right. He knew what he didn't want to do. Me, I grew up never, ever wanting to mess with anybody that did anything that would get them in trouble because I'm not going to no jail to see you. I'm not dealing with that. Then my younger brother, he loved it. He grew up. He wanted to be just like my father, end up getting killed in the streets at 23. Mm. And then with my youngest sister, she loved them type of dudes. Them type of dudes with her boyfriend. She loved that street type of dude. You know, so it's amazing that four children out of the same house, but all of us had different views of how we watch my father. Right. You know, and the right. things my mom went through with him, with being in that whole system. Yeah. So it's it's just amazing. It's it it's is. just it's really really amazing when you think about that. And so this book is powerful. This book is going to really help a lot of people. A lot of people to even understand the life of even, you know, being in prison. That was the main reason why I wrote it. I've realized the, like something that's that God put on my spirit. He said, "Our people suffer because survivors choose to be silent." Mm. Listen, you just okay. heard what I just said about, okay. about speaking up. Okay. Our people we suffer just about that. because survivors choose to be silent. If mm -hmm. you have been through something, if you've been through an abusive relationship, mm -hmm. a failed divorce, a drug addiction, prison system, whatever, a loss of a loved one, mm -hmm. if you have been through anything and you choose to be silent, you allow someone else to suffer mm. because you choose not to say nothing. Come Absolutely. on now. Absolutely. That is so true. And we are so big in that when you said that because my um, platform is domestic violence, I am a grieving mother because I also love, lost a child to domestic violence, a daughter. And it's my mission. That's why I've been on this platform for 12 years to talk about it. So I won't no longer be silent about the effects of things that goes on in the household that causes people to lose their lives. Like people are dying because of the silence. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And see, see me personally, when I was introduced to the drug game, they didn't tell me about the other side of a bad decision. Mm. I was handed the drugs. And I was said, look, be safe, be smart. Mm -hmm. Me many tell me, you've given me, a, you, you introduced me to a world that's foreign, and this is the only advice you have to give me? Okay, so now my purpose is inside this book, I am telling this younger generation what it's like to not see your family members for years, mm. what it's like to be shipped from... DC all the way to Memphis or to New York and not see your family members for five and six years. I'm, I'm telling them about how it is when you come inside with that gun mentality like you got a gun and you don't have a gun and have you have this master manipulators waiting to do something to you. Mm. I'm telling them about how the younger guys in there are getting their manhood taken from them. Not, look, it's no compromise. They're taking your manhood. I'm telling them about the other side of a bad decision because evidently you just don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Know. They need they need to know both sides of that and that it ain't I don't know if they think that's a myth that when you go to jail that those things won't happen to you or you think you're so invincible that mm -hmm. it won't happen to you. But prison is a whole totally different world. That's their own world. It's a different code of ethics in there, right? Yeah, and it's designed Definitely. to break you. I feel like if it's not another inmate, you know, sometimes it's the correction. So, oh, the guard, exactly. The, it's, it's designed to the break system. you, to get you out of that mentality that you run it. Mm. They want to, you know, assume the control. Mm -hmm. I ran into a younger guy. He was from Simple City. And he had a lot of the older guys were actually really terrified of him because he had a Napoleon complex for one, and mm -hmm. he, I'm talking about every time you would see him, he got his face balled up and everything. He was um he was locked up. He was locked up for a double homicide. Mm. So because how old was this young man? Was he very young? He was 21. 21. He was okay. 21. So when you come in the system and you have a murder charge, mm -hmm. you are pushed to the top tier of the convicts because mm -hmm. you took someone's life. So stupid, but that's what it is. That's mm -hmm. the, 
the guys that take lives, they are the first ones to be respected. So when, when he came in with that mindset, he came in with the mindset that he still had a gun in his hand. Mm. So by the time he came in and he met me, I was already in prison for almost six and a half years. I already knew how I was moving and things were moving good for me. And uh, we already had a set system. So he would come in off the weight pile and he would like to play his music real loud. So now because, you know, we have the veterans that's in the, um, in the prison system, once we have a system, once we come from working out, we want to chill for a minute, lay back, take a nap until they count us at 4 o'clock. He likes to come in at 3 o'clock with the music loud and things of that nature. So one day he and I got into it about his music. It's in the book as well. It's called Shooter. And I knew that everyone else was terrified of this guy because he had a murder charge. And I couldn't understand. Like, I don't care what you did in the streets. When you come into the prison system, everyone's equal. Right. Everyone's, I don't care what you did, everyone's equal. You either lose respect or you gain it. Mm -hmm. So I was not going to let no one make me uncomfortable inside the prison system. So when he came in and he kept playing his music, like, I approached him. So when he barked and, you know, balled his little face up and bucked up to me, I bucked back. Mm -hmm. And once I bucked back at him, I seen the fear in his eyes. Mm. I seen the fear in his eyes and I knew that he didn't want to go to that next level. Mm -hmm. Because in his mind, he's saying, I'm just going to go get my gun. Mm -hmm. But then reality kicked in, I don't have one. Mm. So I told him, you know, I, we, I basically broke it down to him and was like, well, look, well, you know you don't have your gun in here, right? I just want you re I want to reiterate that to you. So whatever you're going to do, you're going to do with these. Mm -hmm. Or you're going to have to get your knife. What? Oh, but you don't have one. Mm -hmm. So what, what are the decisions you're going to make? And then when he started asking for advice in the middle of a heated conversation, mm -hmm. I knew I had him. Mm -hmm. So I knew it was time for me to breathe life into him. Mm -hmm. So I sat him down on the bed, and I figured out his why. You know, why are you so upset? And, and that's important. Mm -hmm. You have to figure out what, what's, what's driving so much pain and anger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He has so many unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. His mom was on drugs. He was one who was born into it. His father, he never even met his father. So he has so many unanswered questions, and that was the reason for his rage. Mm -hmm. and a lot of whole lot of abandonment issues, mm -hmm. rejection, unlove, dealing mm -hmm. with that. that and that, that is so huge because when it all boils down to it, um, that a lot of times when people are going through those different types of things, got so much, so much going on, so much anger and pain, when it all boils down to it, we all know it goes back to childhood Absolutely. of what they didn't get at that time. Whatever, that nurturing mom, the dad that wasn't there. And sometimes, mm -hmm. it, it's, it, people, a lot of times people will say they don't care that they don't have a mom or dad, but we all know that, that that's just... Yeah, sometimes people compartmentalize just, just, that, You know, though. yeah, just trying to seem like, you know, so rough and tough. Mm -hmm. It's just a facade Pride. that they're, yeah, a facade that they're playing like mm -hmm. it doesn't bother them. But <sighs> <Yeah. laughs> well, I, I, I realized with Randy, I mean, I realized with, with the younger guy, I forgot his name Shooter, in the book. you said Shooter. I, his name was Shooter, mm -hmm. but um, his name was Whitey. Whitey, his name Whitey. okay. So I realized with him that, all he really wanted somebody to do is listen. Mm. I grabbed him and I started to speak life into him and I gave him a hug. Mm -hmm. That's what he was waiting on, but he was waiting on it from his father. Mm -hmm. So when I started to fulfill that role as a mentor, he took to me. And everything that I said to him, I'm talking about it was law. And when, I let, when, I, when they transferred me from that prison to another one, man, he cried real tears when I mm -hmm. left. Because here you go again. Yeah, I am all alone yeah, again. Yeah, now, now I'm being abandoned again, so now they mm -hmm. trigger that again. There's a lot of these younger guys out here today, man, they're still grown men. Mm -hmm. Grown men, I don't care how old you are, there's a lot of these younger guys that are still waiting on that hug that they never got from their father. Absolutely. That pat on the back that say Absolutely. I'm proud that they never got from their father. Yeah. And this is the reason why they can't move on in their life because they haven't let that go. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, I always challenge people. I actually challenge one of the young ladies in my um, small group for the church. Mm -hmm. We just kind of identify some of her um, generational um, hand downs mm -hmm. um, from her father. And I just challenged her to look around. Mm -hmm. It might not have came from that person, just like for Whitey. It didn't come from dad, mm -hmm. but you got everything you needed from the resource you was providing. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, if dad never had it to give, you would have never got it. Mm -hmm. So it's about receiving it from who God puts in front of you to get it. 
And it just goes to show you that just how um, amazing that God is and, and how um, you were destined to do what you're doing. And, you know, and I tell people, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't know what path it's going to take you or where you're going to have to go for God to use you. And I used to always tell, I always use this in my story when I'm talking because doing domestic violence and when I was arrested um, for stabbing my husband and, and God showed me, he said, you know, I'm going to get the glory out of you because you have a message that you have to share. Mm -hmm. Either you're going to tell it behind the wall. <laughs> I can use you there too now. It's or you're going to be out here and do it, you know, but I'm going to use you. And God going to get the glory out of it, no matter what. No matter what. Absolutely. So that, that's just amazing. That That's so amazing that, you know, that goes to show that, you know, God can use any of us. It doesn't matter where we've been, what we have done. Is that God will use any of us to get a message to his children because he loves all of us. God loved Whitey. He knew mm -hmm. what Whitey needed. That's why he had to prepare you, mm -hmm. set you up to be there. Yes. Because if that would have been any, let's think if that would have been anybody else. Whitey may have could have lost his life in that moment. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because everybody's not going to have that humility. Absolutely. To slow down, realize mm -hmm. it wasn't about you. They're not going to care. Mm -hmm. Nope. They, they wouldn't even have cared. Nope. And nope. see, the thing the thing was, I put in the book, I was in, in encouragement to the parents. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, if you have a child out there in the streets right now, there's not a lot of me in the prison system. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want your son to have to go through this, you need to grab a hold on him now. Yes. As long as he's have life in his lungs, it's not too late. Right. Some people say, he's too far gone. He's out. No, no I don't want to hear it. All you have to do is speak to the child that you birthed because that child is still inside that grown man. Mm. You speak to that child that you birthed, and I guarantee you he'll submit. Wow. Every time. It's never failed. That was perfect timing because I was just getting ready to ask you if there was anything that you would like to share with our listeners, and that right there is was perfect. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's that was perfect. And don't don't give up, right? Don't give up on them. It's no way in the world. Don't give up on them. Don't let them go, no matter how hard it gets. You can't give up on them because your parents didn't give up on you. Mm -hmm. Somebody was praying for you. That's why you're here right now. Mm -hmm. Everyone has a black, you know, little stain in their past. Mm -hmm. But one one thing about it is that. A lot of people give up and they choose to take the easy way out. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people give up by not asking for some help. A lot of single moms, like, I don't want my business out in the street. And mm -hmm. a lot of them fail to mm -hmm. ask for help. And if, when you don't ask for help, you're actually giving up. Yes. And I always say, either you ask for help now or you ask for help to pay a bond or to bury them. Agreed. <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, they did not lie when they said it takes the whole village. It do. Especially being a single parent. It you do. You know, dad or mom. It Just do. All dads don't know how to braid hair. Yes. And some others <laughs> don't either, so no shade. Puffball, puffball. Yeah. So, John, tell us a little bit about your future. Like, what what can we expect from you within the next five years? What's what's on your plate? What's your, what, is there another book in the, in the works? Actually, I wrote nine books while I was incarcerated. Wow. The blueprint for the books is already already written. Um, I just have to go back and tighten them up, mm -hmm. you know, tighten and format them. But um, actually, um, me and my um, my partner, um, Aaron, Aaron Golf, we just started a mentoring program called The Powerhouse, where I'm going to be working on the youth's um, mental, spiritual, and emotional, and their physical. Um, Aaron Goff is going to be teaching them how to work with their hands. He's going to be mm. giving them a trade. Mm. Aaron Goff has been um, the youngest master electrician in PG County for almost 20 years. Oh, wow. So he's already, you know, knee deep into um, his, his gift and his craft. But I'm saying that one cannot exist without the other. Mm -hmm. You know, if I can give, teach your son how to overcome a, a negative decision or overcome the opinion of others, but he has no trade, my gift that I give him still, it just, it just that. And if you give him the, the skills, life skills to work with his hands and things of that nature, but he doesn't know how to deal with the boss on his job. Mm -hmm. So we're, we're basically putting two entities together to eliminate the excuse. The only way this child goes to this program and don't succeed is if they don't want it. Right. Mm -hmm. right. So uh, my next book is called I'm Finally Free. Mm. life after the lesson mm -hmm. so when of course because the first book is called memoirs from my cell the resurrection of john bell jr 
when the listeners hear I'm finally free, the first thing they think about is me being free from prison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One thing you're going to learn about John Bell is I'm always the one to provoke thought. When I'm saying I'm finally free, I'm finally free from the opinion of other people. That's mm. true freedom. That is true freedom. That is true freedom when you're, you're free from the opinion of other people. Because every decision that we make, whether you want to admit it or not, is because of the, the, uh, the praise or the uh, criticism of other people. I'm free from prison. I'm free from the generational curse. I'm free from my pride, my ego. I'm free to be John Ebel Bell Jr. and not with who society said I have to be. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that is huge. On assignment. That is huge. Listen, the only thing you can care about is what God say when you when you're on assignment. Mm-hmm. You gotta always look forward. Mm-hmm. You can never look back. Wow, wow. That that really just blessed me because I, you know, I see that all the time, even with us in this whole social media era. You know, with everything being always posted on social media, you see how everybody, you know, people going through so many things, and sometimes I have to stop and question. I'd be like why is this on here like who is this for like is it really for help mm-hmm. or or is it for sympathy or right. is it just for likes is it just because you know sometimes we have that codependency thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's uh, prominent it's more prominent than what people think yeah it, it very it, it is. is it goes so much deeper so you know it's it, we gotta we gotta be very careful we gotta be very careful and we gotta make sure that we are giving ourselves the tools and using the tools that we have to become that free person where we don't worry about what other people think. And, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes people say, well, it's, it's easier said to do- and then done. I used to feel like that. Mm-hmm. But now I don't even care because usually when they say it's easier said than done is because you're still worried about what people think. Real talk. You still worrying about what people think. <laughs> no, it's not. It, no, you just do it. And you don't worry about what people think. They mm-hmm. gonna yeah. knowing that they're gonna talk and do what they're gonna do any regardless, way. and and like they, it's really true what they say when you, they say you damned if you do, you damned if you don't. Yes, because if you didn't do it, something would be said. Yes, and because you did it, something it might said. be said. Absolutely. <laughs> so what you gonna Absolutely. do? Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's big. So how can you how can you help somebody with that? Like because you have overcome that. How would you help somebody to come overcome that? And I'm going to call it people-pleasing. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, 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 it comes with constant encouragement. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, nothing can be given to you if you don't want it for yourself. Mm. So you have to be able to look back at how many times you've done something for the pleasure or the pleasing of other people. Mm-hmm. And you got to look at it, what has it gotten you? Mm-hmm. When I was able to sit down and ask myself, why am I really here? Why am I in this prison system serving a 15-year sentence? Why am I really here? And then when I started to think about it, I was like, it wasn't never for me. Mm. My whole life I was chasing compliments and the, the, the pleasures or, or the, um, the compliments of other people. And I was like, why am I really here? And then it got to a point where I was like, the people that I was trying to please, they're not even here. Mm-mm. They're not even here. Mm. The the people that I was trying to get their approval and things, they're not even here. They don't care if I live or die. That's right. And that right there said, you, you got to do something different. Mm-hmm. You got to do something different. So God gave me a chance. He said, either you're going to live or die. Mm. If you're going to do it my way. We could do it your way. But I'm telling you, life is over here, but death is over there. Mm. And that was it. But my encouragement to anyone was, well, you got to love yourself enough to not care about nobody else. Right. In certain instances. Right. You got to love yourself enough to only care about what's good for you mm-hmm. and your family. Mm-hmm. And once you're able to do that, then the, the, the praise or the criticism of other people, it doesn't even matter. Absolutely. And to understand that self is always first. Yeah. Definitely. Self have to be first. Yeah, and I think for me, as long as I get the pat on the back from God, <laughs> it don't have to come from man. That's the true I mean? reward. Mm-hmm. That's, the That's the ultimate the real reward. reward mm-hmm. man. That is the ultimate reward. Yeah. Because you'll be sitting there waiting for man to give you some. 
I'm gonna take it back to social media. Mm -hmm. They can you can put up so many accomplishments that you have, worldly accomplishments that you have got for the work that you are doing in the kingdom, and they will scroll on past it. Oh yes, right on past it. They will scroll right yes. on past it like it ain't nothing. Like they yes. see it all the time. Mm -hmm. Like pride, jealousy, all that will bind that up. You won't get the glory at all. Mm -hmm. That's why it doesn't matter. I believe that God will get. The, give you the recognition from man, from the people that he set for. Absolutely. So and they're going like to see it anyway. The people, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Some of the people that have given any type of acknowledgement. I heard the podcast. I read that part of the book. Mm -hmm. Oh, I saw that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. It helped me mend this with a brother. Mm -hmm. It might not be my bestie, mm -hmm. but just the fact that I made an impact, mm -hmm. that's all I ask for. Absolutely. You know, that's, for me, that's, I don't control it that much. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. when it comes, if it comes, how it comes. That's on God. Absolutely. So, John, how can they find you on social media, and how can they purchase your book? Well, um, you can find me on social media on Instagram at Coach John Bell, and um, I have also a page for the book. It's called um, Memoirs for Myself. Mm -hmm. I'm on Facebook. Um, it's John Bell Jr. on Facebook. Well, my book is available on Amazon and also is available on my own website, CoachJohnBell.com. Okay. Um. Yeah, and um, also, also, I what I want to speak to you about, Leon, is when I have an event mm -hmm. coming up October 19th. Um, what I do, I have social events um, every other month. Because when I came home and I sat at the bar, because of my new way of thinking, I'm looking for like-minded conversations. Mm -hmm. And when I didn't hear like-minded conversations, I started creating a platform for like-minded people to be able to get together and have conversations that have substance. Mm -hmm. So this is my 12th event. Um, okay. This event is called Sex Changes Everything. Mm -hmm. And this is going to be a hot topic <laughs> yes. because people, some people are still fighting it. Mm -hmm. Some people are still in a relationship that they didn't want to be in because of that one sexual experience. But um, um, it's October 19th um, from 7 until... Um, it's free drinks, uh, free refreshments, um, you know, uh, get in contact with me on my, um, Instagram, on my, um, 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 Facebook page and I'll give you all the details. Mm -hmm. okay. But, um, yeah, I, I really encourage everyone to come out. Um, if you check the track record of any events that I've had, all of them been a blessing. Um, the last one would have been amazing for y'all to have attended. It's called The Lies That We Live Behind. Mm, right. <laughs> Are you recording these things? You need to record these events. Yeah, I have. I, have um, I had some, I mean, like bits and pieces. Mm -hmm. But the last one, it was amazing because it basically spoke to the generational curse. Mm. It was like we were speaking about what y'all just said, what goes in the home and the house stays in the house. It, it's also speaking about how why grandma or auntie say, oh, don't leave your kids around Uncle Boo Boo. Right. But never tell you why. Right. You know what I'm saying? And never get Uncle Boo Boo no help. Yeah. It's like, you know, you know he ain't right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we know. The, and you ain't even. And for the young ladies that have been sexually assaulted or mm -hmm. abused in their past, and they have lived with that mm -hmm. for so long, mm -hmm. and they don't know how to communicate it to their daughters or their, their peers when they do it because of the fact you choose to live behind this lie. It was a it was a very very emotional event. Absolutely, well, John. We're gonna have to have you come back. We're gonna do a part yes, too. Yes, most definitely. Can it be on my day? Because <laughs> this hour goes so fast. But you have a wealth of knowledge and Absolutely. just from you know your point of view and where you come from and all that you have been through that you know you it, it, you can teach so many people. Mm. So many people, the information that you have inside of you, the wisdom and everything, it can help so many people. Mm -hmm. So we are definitely going to have John and come back on the show. And I yes. am definitely am going to put it on my calendar to be at the event on October the 19th. That's a Friday night? Saturday night. Saturday night. Mm -hmm. A Saturday night, October 19th. Guys, you guys got to definitely connect with this brother. He is powerful. He is doing amazing things in the community. Um, he has a mentoring group. So, guys, we got to connect with him and do what we got to do for the community. Absolutely. Do what we got to do. So, guys, you know you can always follow me on Facebook and Instagram at MBA Speaks. And also check out my website at MBAspeaks.com. 
It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. It was a blessing. And where can they find you, Miss Gorgeous? Well, you can catch me on Instagram, spiritual underscore phenom, or you can catch me on Facebook, backslash Asia Gantz. And also that book. The book. The book. Mirror's Reflection, September 2019. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. You guys sit tight. It's going to be worth the wait. It's amazing. I'm getting it perfect, as close to perfect as I can get it. This month it goes down. Ooh. Absolutely. So thank you guys. Thank you for watching. Please share this video, and we'll be back next week at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you again for watching.